At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Off track with Hinch and Rossi. All right, guys. Well, it is another episode of. Have we have we named this yet? Have we? What are we calling this? It's like, a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, we're joined customarily by Alexander Rossi in his normal chipper mood. Uh, Thim, have we named this thing at all? You're muted, or we can't hear you, or thank God. Tim's just, oh yeah, I, know. I was going to say Chris at Sirius. Uh, he celebrate happy anniversary, Chris. Um, he was texting me about that. They're like, we need to come up with a name. And I was like, absolutely, completely right. And then I just didn't do anything else. Well, that, that adds up that. that you, that you do nothing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well then, yeah, we're back to our as yet unnamed interview segment and uh, very happy and, and lucky to be joined this week by yet another driver from the NTT IndyCar series. We have the young Kiwi Marcus Armstrong driver of the number 11, I don't know, sometimes Ridgeline, sometimes American Legion, I think, sometimes. But you have too many colors, man. What's the deal? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Hench, uh, MCO. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, yeah, so it's it's green in the Ridgeline car quite often. Uh, I think I'm going to be in that car for the rest of the season um, now that I think I think Alex has has reserved the right for the American Legion car for the rest of the season. Um, but we've sort of been going between, um, but to be honest, I'm, I'm a big fan of the green. It's iconic in my opinion. It reminds me of the olden days. Um, and a green car is, I mean, I think Americans are kind of superstitious. I think they say that it's common yeah, that, unlucky car. I know that used to be a lot bigger of a thing than it was. Yeah. James, you, I, you I, had a green car I, and I had a lot of success in a green car. So I call, I call bull on that. So yeah, carry on. I'm glad that you like it because it, it looks great. It looks great. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. And also, I drove for Tony Kart when I was younger in uh, in Italy, and I was had green there, obviously. Um, and it, I mean, it looks way better in person and on track than in photos. I've realized because when I saw uh, Takuma driving uh, what I like to refer to as my car um, <laughs> at the Iowa test, he yeah, I was like struck by how cool the green is in reality as opposed to photos. So I'm a big fan of it. All right. Well, I had um, we're going to we're going to step back a little bit here because 
I had the uh, privilege of being a guest on your podcast uh, a few weeks ago, which uh, scre- Screaming Meals, right? Screaming Meals, mate. Screaming Meals, uh, a <laughs> motorsports and occasionally food-related podcast that you do with a, a, a cast of characters. And uh, in in having that conversation, which was a blast, um, I learned something about you, which it shouldn't be a surprise because you know something about motorsports and you have a pulse. So you're a big Scott Dixon fan, or at least, you know, you certainly were growing up. I imagine you still are even more so now. I don't know if you ever listened to this show. I'm assuming you have it, and that's totally fine. Uh, big Scott Dixon people here. Mm. A lot of Scott Dixon love. So. Right. Why don't we talk about growing up in New Zealand as a motorsports prospect and how much a guy like Scott Dixon had an influence on your on young Marcus Armstrong? Yes. Uh, well, I think every motorsports show should be a big fan of Scott Dixon. Um, he is the man. And now that I get to sit across uh, the engineering table to him, it's, uh, it's special, especially as a Kiwi. So he is his face is plastered on the club rooms of every go-kart track in the country, pretty much in New Zealand. He's, he's an icon in New Zealand. I thought you were going to say of your bedroom growing up, but carry on. <laughs> I won't mention that because he might be a bit weirded out, but uh, no, he's, he's the man. And I actually met him probably when I was 12. He won't remember. And I was like shaking when I went to go shake his hand. And um, he's probably blocked that out of his memory. Uh, but I also bought one of his visors when I was, yeah, I, I didn't even buy it. My mum bought it for me as a present. Um, had like his Target sponsor sticker on the top of it. And I had that in my bedroom for like most of my childhood. And and then obviously time goes on and he continuously won for the next 10 years or so when I was in Europe. And um, and then I, I met him again in uh, at the Christmas party last year. At, uh, obviously after I'd signed for Ganassi and he's just, uh, to me, it's like he's an engineer in a driver's body. You know, he's like, he knows exactly what he wants in terms of each circuit he goes to. He's, he's so specific on what he wants. He thinks about things that I haven't even considered yet. Um, and I'm happy to admit that because he's, he shares it with me, which is very cool. Um, and then, it's, it was kind of funny as well. Um, I am still kind of like starstruck by him, even like even though we are teammates, right? Um, I was sitting in the engineering office the other day, and his his daughter walked in, and he's she's like, "Oh, where's where's dad?" And I was like, "You mean Dixon? Where's Dixon? Um, he's uh, <laughs> probably signing autographs outside, you know." Shockingly, she doesn't call him that. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> Not everyone did. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, Dixon's outside signing autographs probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been special. And also like last Sunday, we were on track together at one point for a very brief moment. He blew past me at the speed of light. Um, and it was quite... That'll a, happen. That'll happen. Yeah, that, that happens from time to time, I've heard. Um, and uh, it was kind of special just to... I mean, I'm not thinking about it at the time, but after the race, I was like, damn, if only my tires were in better condition, I could have, you know, had an actual fight with Dixon on track. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's enough fanboying for the... 
So, so growing up in New Zealand, um, being a fan of Scott Dixon, you obviously went the European route. So he didn't inspire you enough to immediately move to America and go IndyCar racing, which is fine. What was the catalyst for you to like choose Europe? And then ultimately what kind of influenced you to make the decision to, to make the jump to the States? Well, obviously you've, you've been through it as well, you know, like the, the law of formula one is pretty mesmerizing. And, um, certainly when I was very young, I wanted to sort of make footsteps of my own, whether that was, uh, I mean, in New Zealand it's very common to do cars, race cars when you're very young, cause you can do like formula Ford and all these random categories from like the age of 12 and, uh, that's generally what everyone did. Even Scott, I think, was you can find a video of him on YouTube. He's driving like a like some old box, and he's like got a pillow taped to his ass because he's too short to see over the steering wheel. <laughs> he's like eleven years old or something. I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's really common in New Zealand to start cars very young. Um, I liked the idea of doing karting longer than everyone else. Uh, I loved KZ, you know, shifter carts. Um, I got the opportunity to go to Europe when I was 13, I think, to compete with a factory team. So I was like, this is amazing. Um, my parents thought it was less amazing at the time. Um, and I had to convince them to let me go for a short period of time, which I knew was going to be extended continuously to the point where I wouldn't ever go back. Um, and I just like the idea of sort of making my own footsteps in that sense. So, um, so did you sorry did you leave at 13 to move yeah. to Europe on your own to be a go-kart racer? Yeah, yeah, I left uh I left New Zealand when I was 13. I uh, went straight to Brescia in Italy and didn't It's like some Disney princess. <laughs> like I'm 13, I'm an adult. <laughs> I can go oh, yeah. do this if I want. <laughs> oh, yeah. the funny thing is like my little brother is 12 now and despite how similar we are He just joined the army. he's actually a forklift operator in auckland um (laughs) yeah like i can't imagine like you know sending him off to italy even though i thought it was perfectly normal um and in carson you're like racing every single weekend so it's easier to sort of stay present um but i do remember having like two weeks off when i was like sitting in italy like as a 13 year old, like, Hmm, well, what do I do for two weeks then? Um, went to the not- casino, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> took up smoking. And then my dreadful <laughs> gambling addiction came alive and that's the end of it. <laughs> no, but despite that, um, I, I spent that many years in Europe. Um, you know, F1 is, is the dream when you're racing and casting and, and it's actually, it seems attainable when you're there, you know, it seems within within mm-hmm. reaching distance. So I had some good results as well. And that sort of fed the fire in the belly just to keep on going. And I always kept a very close eye on IndyCar because I was obviously like I've documented well, big Scott Dixon fan and Hinchcliffe fan and all the rest of it. Um, really? Rusty as well, of course. And I mean, that's, yeah. But <laughs> James, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think he might be playing to his audience. Commonwealth. Commonwealth. <laughs> um, and I I just like the idea of IndyCar, firstly, because they're just like an animal to drive. So whenever I was watching a race, it was like, 
it didn't look like anything else. You actually had to drive the thing like you wanted to, you know, like for example, in F2, when you want to win a race, you almost have to drive so far within yourself because you need to be fast in the last five laps of the race because the tire will just disintegrate at some point and you want to be ready for it. Um, in IndyCar, they drive so hard right from the beginning that that's attractive to someone like me because, um, yeah, it's it's proper racing. So I always kept a close eye on it. And towards 2020, Callum Mylot and I were sharing an apartment um, in Italy and we were casually discussing how cool it would be to do IndyCar. Um, at this point, Mick Schumacher was about to get an F1 seat, if I remember well, and we were like, oh, yeah, how cool would IndyCar be? <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> and um, he didn't tell me. He kept his cards very close to his chest. And before you knew it, before I knew it, he had just signed for Junkos, and he kept that pretty good secret. Um, and I was like, geez, thanks, man. Thanks for leaving me <laughs> in Europe. He just wanted to make sure you thought it was cool to go to IndyCar before he signed the deal. He was like, all right, this is a good move. I should do this. <laughs> yeah, I remember the exact discussion we had when I was like, oh, I'd actually really like to go to IndyCar. And he's like, huh, so nice. <laughs> and Next like, day, he I, starts making phone calls. I don't want to I don't want to like take credit, but I feel like I'm the reason he said <laughs> that discussion. I'm the reason for all of his future success. Yes. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, okay, so, so you're over in Europe. You know, you've had success in F3. You've had success in F2. You're part of the Ferrari driver development program at this point. So you've got interest from the Formula One teams. You did some tests for Ferrari. Uh, you know every young racer's dream, right? Getting to drive an F1 car. Uh, then I want to say it was kind of end of 2021. There's a story out there, a quote there saying that you kind of feel like your time with the Ferrari program had reached a dead end. What, what was that like? How did that come to light? When was it sort of clear to you that that program was no longer, you know, you kind of reached a ceiling there and it was no longer going to be where your next step came from. Yes, it was, uh, to be fair, 
there were, it was always going to be difficult to get a seat in that family because there was obviously Schumacher had just got a Haas seat, and Maz had just got in at the same time. Um, Joe just signed for Alfa Romeo, and I think Bottas was in there. And um, there was a few people in front of me at the time as well, like uh, Schwartzman was probably the next in line. Um, and I had just spent the better part of two years sitting on a simulator in the, in the dungeon that is the simulator room. <laughs> so it's his favorite place. <laughs> yeah, we all know how it feels to be. I mean, the, on one side, it's awesome to be able to work directly with the engineers who are developing the car for the following year and whatnot. Um, certainly at the beginning, there was a honeymoon phase of, wow, they're actually genuinely listening to my feedback and putting it into use for, you know, that weekend or the following year or whatever. So I was also because I couldn't go back to New Zealand because of like COVID and all of that. Uh, New Zealand was basically locked down. Um, and your parents wouldn't recognize you because they hadn't seen you since you were 13. Exactly. So. I'd been thrown to the wolves. I was uh, <laughs> disowned by my family, therefore stuck in Marinello. Uh, and we spent the whole winter on the simulator. Like, So like, I think I had Christmas Day off. Um, then I went to I went to Giuliano Alessi's house for like Boxing Day. And then I came back on the 27th and worked through to the New Year's, had New Year's Eve off. And back on the sim on the second. So it was like, that was how busy we were developing the car for the following year. Um, and I mean, as much as I liked that and sort of had that responsibility, I also felt like I wasn't really being challenged properly. And it wasn't, it wasn't exactly helping my F2 stuff either because the cars are just so different. So um, yeah, eventually it came to a point where I thought that it was better that we just separated. And um, honestly, I'm so happy where I've landed here at Chip Ganassi Racing. So That's how did awesome, that happen? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a super long story, I guess. Um, well, I obviously did another year of F2. And um, I, I was looking for an IndyCar seat already at sort of mid-2021 because I came to Nashville to watch uh, the race and that was the race that Marcus Ericsson flew and then won. And it was a pretty crazy race. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty sick. And I love the whole vibe. It's quite casual. Everyone's very friendly. Uh, Scott Dixon's in the paddock, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> Big drop. <laughs> it was the opportunity. The opportunity came up and, well, I took it with both hands. And <laughs> So then you, you kind of have this very new, but albeit a dream realized quickly, you have an off season to prepare, you come to IndyCar, you're doing, um, you know, the, the road and street course schedule, which a lot of guys kind of start out with. Um, and you've been kind of, it's been talked about how much you want to do a full season. I think, you know, your results and, and everything that you've shown so far kind of warrant that sort of thing. But what is, so like, what's been your favorite thing? And why is it autograph sessions? And what's been your least favorite thing um, <laughs> since coming to uh, this championship? Oh, man, it's funny that you mentioned autograph sessions because um, I, whenever I'm at an autograph session, I say to the guy next to me, 100 bucks, Rossi's the first guy to leave when it crosses like 1.30 p.m. <laughs> I, yeah, I bet you make a lot of money. That is, that is an unfair way to make money. <laughs> 
Last time it was Graham Rahal. I said, dude, 100 bucks. As soon as it turns 130, the guy in the orange T-shirt's walking out of here. Um, no, so... Ain't wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's, it's honestly been eye-opening since arriving here, just from a sporting standpoint, culturally. You name it, so different to Europe. You've obviously been through it. You were in F1 and GP2 and all the rest of it, so... I was actually going to ask you the same question, but um, I say the tracks are probably the most challenging thing because firstly, I don't know them. Um, it's not like uh, when I was in F3 going to F2, at least I knew how to drive around Spa, for example. Here I'm jumping into a new car, which for me is actually well, probably the easier part of it is ad adjusting to the car. It's the tracks like Toronto, man, like, how many bumps there are it's ridiculous it's like, probably the most challenging track i mean can you imagine what tom old tom blanquist was going through oh like, man like, it would have been tough eh? it was bad enough having done the entire season and then jumped in for fp1 and i spoke to tom and he said um he well it's not really my story to tell but he's like i felt like a space cadet out there <laughs> and i honestly felt kind of similar the first couple of laps going through turn 9 10 11 i was like surely that have we made a mistake on ride height this isn't like, the real racetrack right this is a joke <laughs> did i go through like one of the runoff areas or something and uh and then i came in quote i said can you just ask the other boys like when they go out for their first run if this is like how it's supposed to be or is how it was last year because it doesn't seem right um so navigating the bumpy circuits is difficult to maximize certainly mid ohio was tough because it was such a unique layout like sort of over crests and blind corners and all the rest of it equally there i found it very difficult to just sort of hit the ground running like it was tough just to be fast in fp1 for whatever reason um as the weekends progress i get into more of a rhythm um but certainly it helps that i have three awesome teammates to learn from because they essentially give me the data and I can just be a, a copy machine if I want to. Yeah. Um, be the student look, yeah. apply. <laughs> yeah. There, which is, which is awesome. I just come in, I look at the data and I can easily pinpoint where I need to find the lap time. So I have a very big advantage there in comparison to other rookies. Um, and it, and it worked in Toronto. You had your, your career best finish thus far. So congrats on that. Great effort uh given in all given seriousness what you... I, where did you finish i have no concept of <laughs> seven finish seven oh, nice dude good job that's awesome um, yeah. it was but a, no, it's... it was a long but... one huh it was you obviously tried doing it a lap down the whole right. race by <laughs> doing it fighting for nothing yeah that's yeah. right long I, time yeah yeah i did Just... i saw you at one point and and the worst part is, is you yeah. unlapped yourself right at the end so that you mm -hmm. still had to do that final lap. You still had to do all 85 laps, even though for 80 sure of did. them, you were sure a lap Sure did, down. James. Sure did. <laughs> Have you thought about just being better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. That was one of those ones where you look, so, at, at, you look at it as like, this is just a training session. <laughs> <laughs> this is well, a test session. Since, since um, I actually wanted to ask you, which race do you think is the most physical of the season? Um, you've, you're done. I mean, it's St. Pete, mid Ohio and Toronto. Those are the three, I think you reckon you don't put Barbara on that list. No, 
Mm, yeah, what, I disagree which, what, with that. What's eh? been the hardest one for you so far? <clears throat> oh, I thought the um, Indy Road Course race was tough for some reason, like physically. Mm. I thought I was maybe I was just ill that day, but I was sweating before I got in the car, and I thought, oh dear, it's going to be a long one. And then um, I had a terrible race and it was just hanging on for dear life at the end. You know, when you're, when you're not deep in the points and you're just sort of like, you haven't, there's nothing really like pushing you to, you know, sort of dig deep. And yeah. there's I mean, nothing. It, all, all that I'm hearing here is that Ganassi cars drive themselves on street courses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong, man. Yeah. <laughs> No, I can. Well, I can see. <laughs> you're you're doing something pretty incredible at the moment by leading the rookie of the year championship, despite the fact you've missed two rounds. Yes. Uh, unfortunately for you, we're coming up to another oval round, so that's Takuma's territory oh, for the time two. being, and it's two in a row. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back to back. But we're going to leave you with this final, you know, sort of final thoughts, final question. Was this the goal? Was rookie of the year, despite the fact you're missing five races compared to the other rookies, was that the goal? And is it achievable? Uh, thank you, but no, it's not. Um, I didn't think that rookie of the year certainly wasn't on my radar as the as the goal. Um, more so because I didn't understand sort of how prestigious it was. Um, I was more concerned about fighting for race wins and podiums really and I, i'm still not not close to doing that like i feel like the the difference between fighting for seventh eighth ninth and tenth is very different to fighting for first second and third and there's a big step that i need to make to be there because like i only need to look at how obviously you guys know this but the way that alex Palou and scott runs a race run a race is just flawless they they make time up compared to me and and just the areas where I'm not even thinking about yet, like pit entry, taking risks on pit exit, this sort of thing, and which obviously makes a difference. Um, so towards the end of the year, that's probably my primary goal is just to be better at the simple things and, and then try and fight for podiums. Um, I think I'm capable of it. The car is certainly more than capable of it. I have a fabulous car. The team's amazing. I, I'm in the, in my opinion, I'm in a fantastic position to do it. Um, I just need to sort of continue learning all the little things and then try and make that step. But if rookie of the champion, if, if rookie of the year comes with it, then I'll certainly take it. Uh, I hear there's a nice check at the end. If I do, uh, I'm not quite sure. You're giving me a look of confusion, Hench. No, no, no. It's, it's there. It's, it's, I mean, nice. Yeah. It's, it's okay. It's a nice check. Yeah, you got to split it with the team, but it's it's good. It's better than nothing. And look, I mean, for what it's worth, I think you're more than capable of it. You know, I've talked to people in that team who have nothing but great things to say about how you approach a weekend, how you approach learning new tracks, the work ethic, the effort, and and you know the talent, which I think nobody uh, would be surprised to hear. So, I've I'm holding out hope, even if you don't, that uh, that I can still be pulled off because it would be a hell of a story and a hell of a result. But uh, in the meantime, I look forward to I, you and I could probably spend more time together in Iowa because you'll have a bit of uh, a bit fewer responsibilities than normal. So you should come join us up in the booth if you want. And uh, and thank you so much for coming you get on. Some, really some lessons from the uh, the master of Iowa right there. 
Yeah, only got to beat Joseph in a straight-up fight right here. <laughs> yeah, I was also going to ask you, Hinch, um, if you'd managed to get me into Dancing with the Stars yet. Uh, still working on it. Yes, yeah. this was... Uh, so, yeah, there's been a uh, there's been a request put in by young Mr. Armstrong to be uh, on the show, and his, his co-host on the podcast, James, is also very much in favor of this. So They want that I'm 40 to 60-year-old female demographic, right? Eh? They sure do. They sure nice. do because their demographic nice. on their show is like exclusively what eighteen to twenty-two year old women is what I've heard. Yeah, on on our podcast, our viewers are I think it's ninety-five percent females between the age of sixteen and twenty-four. Right. And so that, he's trying not, to expand outside that demo. <laughs> Tim wouldn't really like to be on your yeah, podcast. Do you guys need somebody? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but how do we like, how do we get yeah. that with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we got to be uh, younger well, and uh, more European. Um, James has a heart out. He's got business, real world work to do. Um, I don't, but I've also you know met my quota of time for the day. So, Marcus, <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. We're gonna call this um, exclusive interviews with Ganassi drivers named Marcus. Since that's true. That's those a are good the only start. Interviews that we've done so far. So why well, don't we, we have McLaughlin on too? Yeah, screw that guy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Either Kiwis or Ganassi drivers named Marcus. Right. There oh. you go. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, Thanks. Hench, I'll just keep working on my tango and I'll come up and meet you in the commentary box in Iowa. All right. Deal. Deal. We'll see you there, bud. Safe right, travels. Man. Appreciate your time. Thanks, dude. This has been off track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at AskOffTrack on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Fim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Finn. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.